watching Boomerang from Cartoon Network. Hello, everyone. Sons, fathers, Augie doggies, and doggy daddies. This yeah, and is, the father. And the father. <laughs> the father, the... son, and the holy Augie. <laughs> which I believe is a type of marble. <laughs> I'll, refer, I'll defer to your Augie expertise. Thank you. Your augury. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's, that's not what expertise means. It's quite nice, though. <laughs> You're welcome to it. Do you, you want to lead us in, or are we just kind of... I think maybe I don't. <laughs> but here we go. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. And this is the Cartoncast, the podcast where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. And today we have a in-person, mm-hmm. which I say at the top so you understand the mic quality issue, Right. Uh, episode of the Cartoncast where we are looking back at... Uh, a suite of boomerang cartoons. Yeah, you might remember from uh, you know Cartoon Network's heyday, uh, seeing advertisements for this boomerang where they just took all the old Hanna Barbera properties they had the license for, but didn't want to infect their new hip stuff, so they just relegated them to a like a reservation and they kept them there, and you knew where to visit them. Like I, oh, they 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 put Yogi Bear in a home is what I'm saying. Even back then, I think I was surprised. At Boomerang's prominence in the in the cartoon, like it didn't go away. Boomerang right. is still here. It's still its own service um, that you can you can you can sign up for. Like it's a pay per view kind of thing, um, yeah. or, or or its own streaming service, and that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> because nobody wants to watch either Al Alcabong or you know Inti right. Private Eye or anything, but. There is a lot of nostalgia for that era of cartoonum writ large. Yeah. And as we have discussed in, you know, Flintstones and the Jetsons and things of that ilk, mm-hmm. it makes sense that you wouldn't want to devote, like, an actual time slot to a specific show from that era, but just, right. like, the general vibe of that era. Because they're all really similar. They're all the same. Well, originally... Butler shows up, does an accent from the South, and we move on. Originally, it was all Hanna-Barbera. Okay. Because that was what was on tap. Uh, but it would eventually absorb other kind of defunct shows. Mm. Like, I, I went to look through... Mike Tyson it. Mysteries, perhaps. There's... <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> There were, like, I mean, like, they, they got shows from Warner Brothers, they got shows from Nickelodeon, like, they just, they kind of, they're, they're the antique shop of yeah. cartoondom, mm-hmm. and that affords them an interesting business model, because you can have, you know, um, just, like, a long-running time, t- like, it, they don't have to come out with new stuff. Yeah. They they organize whatever's in the vault, but that vault doesn't change. So yeah. it's it's just easy cash money. It, it's kind of fascinating because it's the opposite of how these same cartoons existed in the 60s and 70s and such where one, they were churning them out, mm-hmm. and two, they they weren't hugely valuable, right? Because they were they were a dime a dozen. Now they're valuable because they're old. Right. And they reuse them again and again. It's it's kind of interesting flip. It is an interesting flip. It's worth mentioning that like the point is just the era of that programming, and it's not about watching an individual show. So once the syndicated cartoons ran around, um, and you had things like Ducktales or things with an actual long running plot, yeah, as you would later get being a lot more um, frequent in the cartoon renaissance. The old programming block of, uh, you know, Pink Panther shows up and tells some jokes to the camera. <laughs> it didn't really work anymore. But that also allows it to kind of just exist on its own for anyone who wants to take a look. Mm-hmm. So, t- 
Today we're just going to be looking back at some of these shows. We've already dealt with specific Hanna-Barbera properties with more gusto. Yeah, the, the, the ones that are more well-remembered, the flagships of their time, Yogi Bear, Flintstones, Jetsons, Scooby-Doo... Um, but there are some unfavorite. There's some, mid- there's there's some, some cousins. <laughs> yeah, there's an extended family here, and we we wanted to look at the properties as kind of a whole. Like mm-hmm. uh, obviously, you're going to have some differences between like a Space Ghost and a and a Augie Doggy and Doggy Daddy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's all about the packaging, right? As uh, in in this circumstance, so like I don't think we've done this before. Is really focus in on the way in which these are marketed now versus back then. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at each of these, I think what would be good to keep in mind is how is it marketed back in the era in which it was created, okay? And how is it marketed as a boomerang property? Yeah, I like it. Or at least how does it adapt? Because the marketing does how, not exist. How, how is it seen? Yeah. Yeah. And we're hitting sort of the mid-tier ones. We're not hitting, you know, like Speed Buggy where it's a, it's a car who talks and that's kind of the whole thing. Like these ones have a little bit more leg. A little bit, but like not 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 to the point <laughs> of actually having like defined personalities or character arcs. Mm-hmm. It's just that they showed up more. Right, right. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's just get into it. What uh, what are we what are we watching first? Uh, first, we're gonna start off with Secret Squirrel. Which, um... Uh, the pervert. Uh, yeah, so this debuted in 1965 on the Adam Ant Secret Squirrel Show. Uh, and then he got his own show in 66 titled The Secret Squirrel Show. And then reunited with Adam Ant after that for another season. Sure they, they did. They just kind of did they whatever. They did whatever they wanted. <laughs> there wasn't money in the game there back rules. then. So there wasn't really quality control. Mm-hmm. And oh, the, speaking of, yeah. I wanted to get this out. I'm, and this is a good enough rejoinder to get us back to it. Um... Because Boomerang wasn't beholden to that kind of pressure, mm-hmm. it could also have um, programming blocks for holidays. So you would get, like, um, for Earth Day, they would just do Captain Planet the whole day as a marathon. Oh, yeah. And apparently, hang on, I want to get this right because <laughs> I don't know, I can't kind of believe that it was the only thing that Wikipedia was willing to tell me about it. So for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, the following sentence on the Wikipedia. In observation of MLK Day, Boomerang aired several ep- or aired various episodes from the Garfield show. I think we all just need to take a moment and sit in that. Think that, roll that over on your tongue. And then I don't think there's any analysis that can be done of that sentence, actually. Normal was the shooter, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Had enough. Because the white cat, yeah. Probably. Okay. I assume so. Yeah, and he was had affiliated with the FBI. Probably. <laughs> I mean, he he was sick of the anti. He was sick of the reverse racism. I get it. I. <laughs> Zane. That, that, that's just gonna hard cut into. Okay. The <laughs> Takes him many places, he's a squirrel of many faces. Who's that? 
Okay, so Secret Squirrel. Yeah, uh, this might be among the most Hanna Barbera that we cover, but it's hard to tell. They might all just look like this. Yeah, because there's there's just this one's a bit so, generic. There's that um that very clearly defined uh, nose and stubble and and lack of jaw, but with like the jowls very well defined. Like mm-hmm. it's there was a Fred Flintstone in almost every shot. And if it wasn't a Fred Flintstone, it was a George Jetson. Yeah, they, I mean, they reused assets constantly. This this was just kind of how they did things uh, at the time. Yeah. Um, and another thing that they did all the time was have Mel Blanc, because he's Secret Squirrel, uh, noted Bugs Bunnyman. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the list was actually very. Uh, that's 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 good characterization. Yeah, I also heard him sucker, suffer in some succotash. Yep, <laughs> there was that. Yeah. So so the so the conceit of this is J- James Bond is a squirrel. Yeah, that's right. Really, more of an Inspector Gadget because he always has the exact tool he needs, regardless of how stupid it is. There's some like all of these ideas were vaguely in vogue. Like I, I don't know yeah. spies. I don't know when James Bond exactly started, but I know Lupin jumped on the bandwagon in like the the the, the seventies. Mm-hmm. So like it had to have happened before that. Uh, I don't know how popular spy thrillers were back then. I guess with the advent of the Cold War, eventually yeah, would, would I think, get there. I think pretty pretty people were pretty into it. So it makes sense that they would tunify one of them. And there's in fact an entire subsidiary, uh, not subsidiary, but like. A, I don't know if it's a Category? programming block or if it's a it's a, an offshoot channel mm. for the for the detritus <laughs> of boomerang but there is like a boomerang animals uh, variant which sure. is just it's boomerang shows but ones that focus on animals. which is completely arbitrary because it doesn't really inform character yeah. to a large degree no not at all um, so so secret squirrel I mean he exists in a world with humans and giants apparently we, we, we saw an episode where Big Ben was stolen yeah the giant stole just the face his, of the clock, the which face, the clock to my itself. to my mind is the least important part of a clock. Right, it's more about the sound and the no. It's just a it's it's, it's about the monument. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 about the 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 symbol of authority over your life. You want people to know that you can tell what time it is without like the actual ability doesn't matter. It's, it's I I would accept a <laughs> Big Ben that had no clock face and did not have sounds. Okay. Because the point is, we could tell the time if we wanted to. Yeah. How dare you question us? Yeah, get out of here with your other different non-metric systems. Mm-hmm. I think metric is not for timekeeping. The, the French tried it briefly. It didn't go well. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a true fact. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> cool. It's hard to tell when you talk about the French. Yeah. So a giant has stolen it. and uh, A giant. Did you hear that? Folks, yeah, we're not operating in reality. Yeah, uh, in case the squirrel who came in to talk to the oh chief boy, yeah, so in a swirl of London fog was uh, his method of transportation. Yeah, that was just in case you didn't get enough British voice acting. Yeah, like fake, like very clearly Americans doing British voices. <laughs> I say, governor. <laughs> um, that you had the London fog reference, and because this is. What the sixties? Mm-hmm. There's we're we're pre limited animation. No budget. We will not show you fog turning into squirrel and Morocco mole. Yeah, and back again. And there's broadly no animation used for any 
thing that you would be interested in watching, right? You are, you are... Imagine Looney Tunes. You're, you're, you're basically dealing with the same toolkit. Well, with Looney Tunes, you know, you watch the coyote run off the ledge, look around, fall down. Imagine if you saw a running animation and then cut away to a still frame and come back and he's on the ground. Yeah, it's it's a little bit it's lazier than they what they were capable of because, because they just churn. Yeah, of course. Yeah, this this one didn't matter. I, I don't hold it against them. And it's time it didn't matter, but it was like quick enough and easy enough and had you know putting my little kid glasses on. It had a number of uh, uh, an, enough things to look at and listen to. The thing that I was really. Um, impressed by was the mashup orchestral Hanna-Barbera yeah. symphony with like classic spy genre but like with yeah. you know big brass band kind of stuff yeah they were they were using things that would elicit the idea of the genre they're working in and they would also you know take a widely recognized melody and mix it up just enough so that it's copyright free yep. Yep, you yep, know yep. Uh, it's it's pretty easy to detect where they're cutting the corners, and it's really amazing how many corners they can find. And you know, this is some, this sometimes happens with shows that are this dated, which is that we have a hard time watching the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But we're before an age wherein they were trying to sell toys, right? This was just let's eat up some time between <laughs> you know the news or whatever. Like yeah. there, I didn't get bored of it. Because it was over in four minutes. Yeah. I I assume. I, did you clock it? It was like seven. That's, I don't believe you. <laughs> so, and we're not, we're not, you know, watching several of these. We're watching one and assuming that it's emblematic of the whole. If ever we could be justified in assuming <laughs> that, it is now. So one of the things that they did in this episode, you know, they're, they're going to get the clock back from Big Ben. And uh, how they determine that a giant stole it? Well, there's a giant footprint. They do a really big shoe reference. That was <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> um, and so we get several minutes of them like scaling a giant. We get giant scaling. Yeah, that's vignette, a joke, right? And they're using oh, I'm going to use my spy grappling hook or my spy lasso to yep. accomplish. He's MacGyvering with what he has, but what he has that's is the, everything. That's the action quotient, is how do we get to the scene of conflict? Yep. And then the scene of conflict is all giant is a dumb guy jokes. Yeah, and, and a humorous resolution that, you know, just trade your buddy in for this clock. Yeah, that's... that's oh, we Mor didn't mention the Morocco, Morocco really getting uh, getting shafted on this property. Yeah, so this is Morocco Mole, just, you know, the Watson to his Sherlock. Do you remember Holmes. Mustafa from from uh, Austin Powers? Yeah. It's kind of like that. I mean, a fez could only really mean one thing, and yep. it's vague enough what that one thing is, but it's, you know when you see it. Yeah, and he's got, like, some... You mentioned that it was an Edwin-like voice. Yeah, yeah, it was similar. It was some, mincing... Some sort of mincing cut man uh, <laughs> voice. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Do you think it might be cut man? No. Um, Time this, to cut you down was... to size, Mega Man. Are you sure? Yeah, this... Because, like... This was Paul Freeze, which I recognize as okay. a name that Josh would know. And, yep. Uh, <laughs> but that is that is the extent of it. So, yeah, so this guy just fails so we can see Secret Squirrel succeed coolly, but to make sure that yes. that whole thing takes enough time. Which is a Watson thing, and that he is a detective, but he's not a secret agent. Mm -hmm. So we're melding a couple of different genres together, and not entirely unsuccessfully? 
Yeah, and you know, it's it's versatile enough. I remember from way back, from the, the annals of my memory, an episode where Secret Squirrel is like tracking down a bad guy and Morocco Mole can't keep up. He's doing filing, and every once in a while we cut back to watch him filing enemies under the proper nice. like, category. <laughs> That's very good. And you see like the T folder exploding because everybody starts with the something. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of like their dynamic. There's not a lot here. You can basically take a premise, make a couple quick jokes, and get out. Does it sustain for five minutes is the, is the benchmark? Yeah. Five and eleven minutes are so different. Yeah, I agree. Like, remember, we we've had it's it's an immortal conversation on the Carton Cast, eleven minute or twenty two. Yep. And that is not an like the psychology required <laughs> of the investment of the person uh, changes so much based on that um, that time frame. I th- I think you can understand why they used to combine shows. You know, the Adam Ant and Secret Squirrel show. Cow and Chicken is more or less the same deal. Kind of like a clip show kind of format. I mean, even beyond that. Even if it's formulaic. You have a reset. Yeah. Uh, Even in things that were past that era, like Garfield and Friends. Yep. Two episodes and a quickie segment because we recognized that we were l- just looking at John way too much. Oh, and and, and U.S. Acres in there as well. Yeah. So like, and let's not forget that John was involved in the Martin Luther King assassination <laughs> as well. <laughs> so it's it's interesting, kind of looking back at this era and recognizing that the creators knew mm-hmm. that the five li- that that the five minutes was what they were shooting at. They knew they couldn't sustain. They were not shooting at an eleven minute, and that's that's. It, you know, I mean, like, I don't want to, like, uh, raise them on a pedestal for, yeah. like, throwing together fucking 80-odd yep. episodes of Secret <laughs> Squirrel, but there was an intent there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this passes the five-minute muster. Yeah, yeah, I think so, and I, it just uh, occurs to me, I think it's very funny that, you know, the, the eternal critique of youth is the their short attention spans, and you, you compare, like, the season-long arcs that every show has to do yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't future-proof that idea too much. Um, Just a couple of uh, notes on how this show looks, or how the characters look. Um, You know, we mentioned Morocco Mole with his fez and his smoking jacket. Dot eyes. Yeah, dot eyes. He's got the Scooby-Doo eyes. Secret Squirrel has this uh, delightful purple hat that that he has eye holes cut through. For maximum espionage. Yeah, like Domino Mask, but dumber. And then everybody else is a person of some sort. Like an actual human of sorts, yeah. A human at the same size of a squirrel. We assume. I don't think we ever saw them in the same shot. Uh, they, they were in the shot with the um, with the, with the the chief inspector when they Not came in, in on... the same shot. They were in they... the same room, quote okay. unquote. Okay. <laughs> but like, was there like a desk that they could you could use for scaling to Not tell really. how much of a desk he had? <laughs> no, there's no okay. background here. Maybe a chair, but it's... In the middle distance, you can do the window. Oh, the window though. But they came in as clouds. Well, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's one of those eternal mysteries that we could solve if we watched a second episode. Uh, But that's not. Yeah, the only other thing that I have to say about Secret Squirrel is that I remember the Harvey Birdman episode. Oh yeah, uh, where he was a flasher. Yes, and because of the trench coat. Boy, does he look like a flasher. <laughs> his hand's always stuck his, in his, his he's, he's constantly rubbing one out on the well, sly. Walking around like he's constipated. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me. Uh, yeah, um, so yeah, let's move on to another one. 
Oggy Doggy and Doggy Daddy, which uh, I get nowadays, no respect. Yeah, nowadays is mostly referenced by Scott Ackerman yeah. as the, his name for the month of August on Comedy Bang Bang. I know it as the really like three pack a day voiced father dog figure. <laughs> oh boy, my awful fail son. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you want to tell me about Oggy Doggy and dear old daddy? So Oggy Doggy and Doggy Daddy. Um, so this, oh boy, where's the information the, on the this The postcard Wikipedia? for, like, the, the image for the show with the one on the other's lap, because the lines are just, like, not very well defined, it looks like they're both, like, one amalgamated <laughs> dog pile. Yeah, that's a problem. So, you know, you don't think of... The 50s and 60s having significantly different animation qualities, but so this was 1959 to 62, and mm. I think those extra years really, like they had hit their stride by Secret Squirrel. Here they were still kind of figuring stuff out, and you can see like the early Yogi Bear stuff in here as well. Um, I find it hard to gainsay you because there's just not enough evidence of like <clears throat> it's that thing where like any technology like rockets forward the like the farther it's 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 an exponential tree it's an exponential gain right so like the early steps you can't really decipher that much difference between and that's kind of what i feel here like maybe there's a couple of years difference and that like let them hone their craft but i'm not getting of it over any of it overtly yeah uh so I, i don't actually recognize the difference in quality on the animation side yep yeah so it's um it's a pretty simple and straightforward show. It's a it's a father and son, single dad raising his kid on his own. Goofy. Classic, classic. Yeah, it's yep. <laughs> it's a pretty classic anthropomorphized dog thing to do. And um, again, with the two animals and everyone else is a human. Yeah, that was. Why is that the standard? It's a little man? weird. <laughs> it was like that in Yogi Bear, but they're, they 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 had a reason. There were yeah, they they were distinct pieces of an ecology that exists (laughs) yeah this is just a man who is a dog yeah and his son who is more of a dog (laughs) like it's so much different than a bear who can talk Mm -hmm. like that's that requires a single distinction from reality this requires so much more we had so the the premise of the episode we watched was that uh, augie doggy who is a little boy and his dad, he, Augie is like, I want to be an adult. I want to make the rules. And his dad's like, fine. I was fucking watching Leave it to Beaver. Uh-huh. That's what this was. Yeah. <laughs> That's all that this was. This was a 50s goddamn... It it reminded me so much of just like the... Um, like the, the the Brady paradigm. Yeah. The the horrifically functional family. <laughs> yeah. Like well it's just, just the pleasant villainess of it all. Yeah. And maybe like the, the the dad who wanted to beat up a child uh didn't help. Not Augie Doggy, obviously the man's a saint. But <laughs> this this weird businessman in a tuxedo on a on a park bench just yeah. like ex- exuded that. Like mm-hmm. the the fact that he takes his hat off to read the paper. Yeah. It's just, it's so... So Doggy Daddy uh, says, like, oh, oh, I'll be the son for... A well, I don't know where he came up with this idea. He was Paul, probably watching Leave Paul, it to Beaver. Paul Rust gave <laughs> it to like, him. I want to try this out. Paul Rust gave it to him with his new no-nos. Dad's yeah. the son now. <laughs> and so... Good what, luck finding that reference. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, we, we do the classic thing of like son being a dad does whatever he wants. Dad being a son. Oh, it's not so easy, is it? Yeah. Um, it's like, a pretty classic Freaky Friday plotline. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember it in Angry Beavers to a degree where, like, um, Norb always gets the better of Dag, and because of some loophole in one of their contests, mm. uh, Daggett makes all the rules for a day. Right. And because he's a tyrant, <laughs> comedy falls out. Yeah. Uh, this is not tyrancy. This is just, like, abuse and comedy does not fall out. Yeah, it feels so perfunctory. It like does. even even at this point, this plot was so played out. At least with the London Fog thing with Secret Squirrel, I was like, blah, 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 what happened? <laughs> the fine sound effect right there. <laughs> <laughs> really could hear the coconut. Um, yeah, this. I mean, so so many parts of it felt unmotivated, where the dad just decides. I'll be your son. Yeah. And the son is like, Father the only of the thing year. I know about parenting, as I would like to be parented, is to shove food into him. Yeah. In a manner that felt uh, untoward. It could have been a good episode from that premise. Sure. You know, like, you, you could envision a plotline wherein uh, he has to go grocery shopping. Like, it could be a lesson learned in stages, as opposed to just aug. A doggy daddy eating crow for five minutes. Yeah, it feels like the dad is learning the lesson through that's most the, of this. That's the weird bit. <laughs> and the lesson it. is, well, it's hard to be a kid when you're an adult man who doesn't want to eat candy nonstop. The plot is at odds with the property. Mm-hmm. Because the plot is that the child should learn the lesson. Mm-hmm. But the property is that doggy daddy should have a terrible time. It should be... The same kind of feeling you get when you watch um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit mm. and you're watching uh, uh, Bob Hoskins just have a terrible time right. having to pretend to be a tune. Right. It's like you're just you're just watching a, a, a dog be sad, <laughs> more <laughs> no, or less. That really is what's happening here. Um, and, you know, it's, it's um, part of why it's a little jarring and weird is the... uh, um, separation between the way the son talks and the way the father talks because the son squeaky clean focused on his toys and his games and his candy he's like come on dad i want to make all the rules i want to eat all the chocolate cake and his dad's like if i don't get a handle on this i'm gonna kill everyone (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's a very strange variety of register between the pair Mm-hmm. And it, it 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 makes you wonder what happened to the mom, and what she could have been like, and oh, what doggy man. daddy could have been like before the breakup, right? The the bitter divorce proceedings. Yeah, he he is just he, vacillating between authoritarian and ultra permissive. He's he's vacillating between uh, self destructive and just apathy. Yeah, like the, he's got dark circles under his eyes. The, the voice is like. As devoid of emotion as you can maybe have mm-hmm. a cartoon character be. Right. Like, when, when you say low register, I don't think it really gets the heart of how low that register is. But, like, when you drop below to, like, a Rodney Dangerfield level mm-hmm. and just just hit an octave further, that octave matters so much. Add in a pack of smokes. Because you're just like, oh, I tell you, I'm not enjoying this at all. <laughs> there's, there's no... I don't have a sense of how he feels other than defeated. (laughs) 
constantly. Yeah, like, just this the, tragic figure. And he started off kind of excited, like, I'll be your son, and then immediate drop. I couldn't tell. And that we just wallow in that for half, you know, If, if they were Peanuts minutes. teachers and were just going, I would not be able to judge when he was happy or sad. You feel it, yeah. Um, and like you said, uh, one of the things that happens is, uh, oh, this little boy tries to play with him and shoot him. Yeah, and with a gun. And uh, Doggy Daddy's not having it. He's just like, I don't want to play with you. I recognize I am I'm, an adult man. I'm doing a child thing, but it's for my son. I don't have to do this yeah. <laughs> for you. Also, how do you know I'm part of this? Yeah, I still I'm look... not wearing a fucking sailor suit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not wearing any... I'm an adult who wears a collar, if and that, that is it. If the populace, in the Yogi Bear way. <laughs> if the populace could judge that he is an adult mm. in the way they seem to be able to... right. There's nothing in that scene that would lead the child to believe that, hey, this is a dad who's pretending to be a son right now. Right, no. I think he just wanted an excuse to pull a gun on someone. Yeah, that was weird. It was, it was a, okay, it was, a, it was like a water pistol, but it was lovingly animated yeah. as a real gun. They, <laughs> More they, than anything else. Everything else was perfunctory. The cop's thighs were like Powerpuff Girl beanbag chairs of just a single <laughs> texture with no lines of depth at all. What if a, what if a man was a trapezoid? It's <laughs> just so melty at the at the edges. And when when the kid the cries like, "Oh, this guy's not playing with me," calls his dad into what? Beat up a kid? <laughs> yeah, that that was unclear. And he's like, "Oh, this is an adult man." There there was a point approaching comedy with that where yeah. where like an adult man finds an adulter man <laughs> right. when he was expecting a child and it's just like i mean turnabout's fair play <laughs> nah <laughs> um uh yeah the, the climax of it was i think interesting where uh he rides off on his trike super fast gets picked up by this irish cop uh stereotype and he's like all right you were going too fast it was reckless endangerment and he's like officer my son i'm the dad but i'm looking like the son and the officer's just like i've seen this a million times <laughs> yeah we have a code for it say no more i know exactly what to do here well, that's why it's an episode of leave to beaver because every adult <laughs> is working off the same playbook here they're like this week is the week that we get our kid to eat liver and onions <laughs> and that's the lesson it's the liver and onions episode but in real life <laughs> so, um, yeah uh, it's it's just pretty bad um, yeah. But I will say, like, animation-wise, not all that terribly distinct from Secret Squirrel. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's basic. It's basic. It's very basic. Um, and when you do have limited animation, you really are depending on the strength of the plot. And I think that that is why Secret Squirrel at least had, like, the genre anachronism going for it. Mm -hmm. it. It at least got... Well, it got the adult me on an abstract, like, this is just weird level. Like yeah. giants and big bends and spy thriller, but also detective and but, but Dr. this is Watson slice and, of life. Yeah, there's just and it like the 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 pull of it is anthropomorphized animal and like dog. Mm -hmm. Do you know what network you're on? That's <laughs> that's actually not enough. And I noted, uh, I noticed that uh, Dawes Butler is the voice here. Doggy Daddy. No. Oh. Dawes Butler is the son. Yogi Bear? Yeah. My God. <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> was was Dawes Butler also Boo Boo? Because that was what I was hearing. Uh, maybe? Okay. Yeah. Uh, for for an in-depth look at Dawes Butler, go check out our Yogi Bear episode. Yeah, he's all over the place. Yeah. 
Um, okay, let's let's see if we can uh, liven it up with something a bit more fantastical. Let's check out Quick Draw McGraw. Okay. And we had mentioned El Cabong. El Cabong is an alter ego of Quick Draw mm. McGraw. Mm-mm-mm-mm. No, they're don't, different guys. Don't spoil this. Oh, of course. <laughs> don't spoil the majesty. Cereals, the best to you each morning. We've okay. lucked out. Yeah, we holy were, hell. I mean, okay, so a quick draw. I, I will admit, I don't think we gained the tightest grasp on what I quick draw McGraw is. That's true, but <laughs> I will say overall pretty positive. <laughs> yeah, um, so quick draw McGraw, we're doing the western thing. That's it. Um, I think, I think what we're gonna find for the rest of this is. Heavy on genre, light on character is mm-hmm. the right mix for five minutes. Yeah, I mean, a catchphrase is fine. Yep. A, qu- a dynamic of smart guy, you, dumb guy, you want a, sidekick. You want a, a cadence, you want a voice. Yep. And, like, Doggy Daddy did have that, but it was absent a genre, so it had nowhere to go. Right, yeah. But here here we have both necessary components to create a show. Quick Draw McGraw, he's a bad, he's a bad sheriff. Yeah. But a good superhero? A vigilante. He's a vigilante, yeah. So, um, presumably, there's no way to know. In most episodes of Quick Draw McGraw, he does the normal sheriff thing, western, whatever. He, he might ha- just always do the El Cabong thing. I might... I, I don't I don't think it's always... I, it says I'm it, not sure. It says it's occasional. Um, and he has a sidekick, Baba Louie, which feels... We'll get there? Yeah, we'll get there. Um, but yeah, a lot of episodes, he becomes El Cabong, where he dresses up as, like, uh, a Zorro type. Zorro, yeah. I was like Western Batman, but that's Zorro. Um, but he wields a uh, kabonger in the form of a guitar. And um, <laughs> But we lucked out. The episode we found is the introduction of Snagglepuss. Oh my god. And <laughs> Before... it's just Snaggle. If you think, like, what? He formed Hang whole on a second. cloth from Athena's head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you if you're thinking okay, Cartoon Cast, like uh, you, you're seeing Snaggle to Snagglepuss where none exists, <laughs> I challenge you to find a single evidence of the phrase "Heavens to Murgatroyd" that is not a Snagglepuss. You can't yeah. do it. Can't be done. And it happens multiple times in this episode. Yeah, he's not pink. He's not wearing his like little. Uh, no, he's a saber tooth tiger. He's, he's a, a saber tooth. He's, he's a mountain lion. He's an orange mountain lion with the same. <laughs> fucking accent does snaggle it's just snaggletooth and he's called old snaggletooth as mm-hmm. like an outlaw name but we did not realize that we were getting snaggle snagglepuss on no, this no it was surprising um so this is uh 1959 Dawes butler's quick drama gras um, i don't know if you heard of Dawes butler yeah he's kind of famous around these parts <laughs> and um so what we have here is um i, th- I think they set us into the western pretty effectively just by showing people shooting each other for like a minute. <laughs> that is that is accurate. It's it's one of those um, Fisher Price westerns where oh, yeah. where where guns aren't really lethal objects and arrows are just like a way to poke people. At a distance, swords as well. Swords as well. Yeah, like weapons are a suggestion mm-hmm. in these. Yeah. So it has the genre made kid friendly uh, appeal to it. 
Another point of comparison, which I don't know how much is the Western and how much is just uh, its own thing, his relationship with his young ward uh -huh. uh, is pretty clearly like a Sancho Panza thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, Don Quixote, he doesn't really understand reality. He has noble goals, heroic aspirations. Like, you know, He's got on energy, paper, <laughs> but uh, he doesn't really know what's going on. So his his you know his sidekick is the one who actually has to bail him out a lot of the time. Uh, the sidekick in this case is Baba Louie, uh, which that's got to be a reference to like the song, right? Like Howard Stern? The bop, bop, blue, bop, bang, boom. That's a very possibly true. Yeah, I can't look it up. Not worried. Um, I always heard it as Baba Booey. Uh, as did I because of that one Cartoon Network bumper. Uh, boo Boo Baba Didi. Oh, no, I was thinking because of the Howard Stern uh, meme. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That is also the Which case. was before my time, but I still know But after it. this time. So oh, far after. So that couldn't have... But you, you just get things through osmosis. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's very racistly Mexican. <laughs> yeah. And that's really all there is to say about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is, like, hyper-confident in, like, a penny and an Inspector Gadget kind of... Sure. Like, they... they the, 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 the theme of adult dingus and child or just shorter friend hyperconfident it's a proven success it is yeah like even even in the times of flintstone you had barney rubble who was more on the ball than fred yep got a name by the name of barney rubble <laughs> um so yeah I, I think you know you would expect the normal like if yogi bear were a western thing yes it's I, just it's a yogi bear accent and then I guess Snagglepuss is also a Yogi Bear. It's yeah. Just, it's just with a more mincing... Well, we looked up a little bit of Snaggle, Snagglepuss lore, <laughs> and it turns out he was based on Tennessee Williams? No, no, no. Okay, so... Um, Am I getting that wrong? So, in uh, he, he was based on a... Um, you know, the, the, these were all impressions of different, you know, famous sure. actors at the time. Um, but what we saw when we were looking up where Snagglepuss came from, and it, this was indeed... His progenitination. Yeah, this is where he came from. This is where he came from. They, it was such an incestuous time for animation. They just put everyone angry, everywhere. Um, Hanna-Barbera has come out with a line of comic books. Mm -hmm. uh, you might recall we, we, we talked about some previously, but never really got into them. I always thought that might be interesting. Things like Scooby Apocalypse or like the <laughs> Flintstones, but they're talking about social changes or whatever. Sure. Um, apparently they have one on Snagglepuss where he's a 1950s gay playwright. Accused of communism under McCarthy. Okay, so that's the Tennessee that Williams. That one's okay. Tennessee Williams. Do you think that um, the name for the reboot, the live-action live gritty reboot of the Flintstones would just be Bedrock? That's not bad. That's a that's an okay title, right? Yeah, that's yeah. That's an okay name for it? Like Gotham. Like yeah, that exactly. Because yeah. you don't want to just be looking at Fred Flintstone. Never. By the way, in a lot of these shows... Always. We're constantly looking at Fred Flintstone. <laughs> it's really hard to get away. Or, or it, prototypes thereof. Well, because you got to remember in this time period, you have to have codifiers of seniority, but also sort of um, a way to communicate to the audi audience that this is a person who is in the... They're resting on their laurels. They're mm -hmm. past their prime. They're, they might be in the profession, but they're not going to get shit done. Yeah. And the way you do that is a dumpy little beard. Yeah. The, the everyman, but of that era. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. So um, there's a lot of Fred Flintstones walking around. More interesting, I think, is uh, this uh, alter ego as El Cabong. Yeah. I guess this kind of goes back into our Western discussion like we had in Mu Mesa, where the 
The sheriff was noble, but he often ran afoul of the law because of the Code of the West. Uh-huh. I'm uh, familiar with this. <laughs> and the Code of the West dictates that you follow your heart, not the laws of the land. Right. Um, we didn't quite get that here. Snagglepuss is no, like, you know, mayor. He's no corrupt mayor. No, this is a guy who is just stealing whole animals to eat live. Yeah, they're still alive, larger than him. It's it's a little dark. <laughs> there's there's not a lot of agency amongst the wildlife in the West. Yeah, that's why they were so easy to uh, Lewis and Clark. It was a different time. Yeah, um, but this this is presumably a jo- a job that Quick Draw Ma- McGraw could do. Because he has a gun and a authority. Yeah, he's a sheriff, and this is an outlaw. Like that's kind of their. It's it's thing. an outlaw and a dangerous wild animal, both of which are like they fall under the, the jurisdiction. Use of I am I am a guy who has a gun and nothing else to do. But uh, <laughs> but because the like mayor's aide or deputy or something says, "Hey man, don't go after him." Only El Caban could take him down. He feels the need to don his uh, cape and maraud about. At night, as Monkey Man, or what I, have I like to imagine he never has a good reason to switch oh, into he, El Capone. Yeah, he's he's looking for an excuse. Yeah, he's playing. It's, he it's, he broke Casanova Snagglepuss out yeah. of prison so he could hunt him down. It's all become too easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so, um, and and Snagglepuss as a mountain lion, as a new character, also decides to put on an alter ego of El Kazing. I. I don't know much about Snagglepuss, but based purely on the mincing performance mm-hmm. uh, of what I'm guessing is also Dawes Butler, <laughs> uh, is it, it gives me the impression that he would want to dress up whenever the opportunity arose. Yes. Yes. Um, and so El Kazing uses a cello instead of a guitar, but he uses it as a bow. That's really good. That's inventive. That's really That's good. how you use the animation of the time. Yeah, and they did a good job with what they had on this one. Mm-hmm. Again, like, it's it's not the the characters that were flawed in um, Augie Doggy and Doggy Daddy. It was the genre. Yeah. The genre didn't allow for them to do more. They didn't have anything more. to do. Exactly. But here they've got... You know, you got, you got, you got cello artillery. <laughs> That's on the line. Um, there's just like a lot of, um, there's a lot to play with. And when you have compelling personalities, just give them a lot of toys. Yeah. Like just improv. Like you show up to an improv stage with nothing. Mm-hmm. You, you really got to depend on the strength of the, of the actor, of the improver. You show up to an improv stage with like 20 implements. Yeah. Hey, man, there's a reason why cop- prop comedy is a thing. Yeah, I mean, in a time where gimmicks were king, yeah. that's all you need. You need a guy with an inordinate amount of confidence to come in, proclaim himself the boss, take damage in a comedic way, I and try to, again. I have to assume that every show of the Hanna-Barbera 60s was, consisted of the director pinning a $20 bill to Dawes Butler's <laughs> lapel and pushing him into, like, a party store that had to be it (laughs) and just like buy a bunch of knickknacks and then play with them (laughs) we'll record the whole thing you're from missouri (laughs) imagine um but yeah i I think that this one hit the critical mass of genre and personality that let it uh 
that allowed there you to get a good there. wave. There wasn't and enough also, there. Also, westerns were much bigger in the past. Oh yeah, in, the 50s? in, in that area. Yeah, fifties uh, to sixties. This was the the, this the was spaghetti huge. western heyday. Yeah, um, yeah. There's enough here. There's enough uh, character, enough genre convention. You can play around, and it's uh, it's it's not bad. This one passes. Uh, you did notice a, a, a cinema sin in there where Snagapus says, "Exit stage left." Is it stage right? I we we failed to mention in Augie Doggy and Doggy Daddy, but there were two distinct uh, passersby mm. who are watching this whole oh, yeah. role play play out, and they have different voices. Um, but there's only one on the screen, <laughs> and he just goes from one voice to another, and like he's clearly the one mouthing the words. Somebody, so. So, yeah, some intern messed up. There, there's some there's some beautiful nonsense of the lack of quality control of this era of animation that is that is very close to my heart i i can't picture quality control and el kabong in the same room <laughs> no like... one kills the other they're like plans in war with, with a guitar Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah awesome all right we are we're over hump cartoon and uh we're gonna move into hong kong fui all right we, we've already passed the racism uh pinnacle yeah one hopes yeah, one hopes. Uh, fingers crossed. I don't think it's likely. <laughs> okay. Who is this superhero? Sarge? No. Rosemary, the telephone operator? No. Henry, the mild-mannered janitor? Could be. Hong Kong Pooey, number one super guy. Hong Kong Pooey, quicker than the human eye. He's got style, a groovy style, and a mind that just won't stop. When the going gets rough, he's super tough with a Hong Kong Pooey chop. Yikes. I, I can't. So we might have bitten off more than we could chew yeah, with this one. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't realize that we were dealing with a Hong Kong Fui well, of such caliber. Because like I remembered Hong Kong Fui by the theme song, but just by the lyrics. And I think if I had the music to go along with it, it might have cued me into the fact that this is real, real racist. It's double racist. We didn't realize that this no, was not only musically Eastern, and Eastern, it's the Eastern mysticism, fetishization, kung fu craze of the seventies. Plus the black exploitation. Yeah, of, this is seventy four. This is after everything else. This is, and they like, had refined their craft, Ben. <laughs> yeah, and decided this was the pinnacle. Well, they they had to change with the times and black exploitation. You know, I don't I don't know if I I, <laughs> I don't this, this, this I struggle much, with this. We couldn't finish a whole episode because no, my god, it was too long. Yeah, that's the other thing is that this was like what fourteen minutes long. We watched like seven of it and yeah. I tapped out. It was too much and not enough. Um, so what was the basic conceit? Is just string of museum robberies. Yeah, at Hong Kong, fool, we just gotta stop <laughs> Doctor Claw, who is totally not Inspector Gadget villain. Yeah, so. Hong Kong Fui, the idea is he's a humble, mild-mannered janitor uh, who is secretly the superhero that everyone loves. Right on, super lady. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> also, so normally... All the time. So, so Never remember, stops. Remember the classic formula, there's a couple of animals who are people, and then there's people who are people. It doesn't work as well when the only animal character who is talks... Is the only black character. Right. Yeah, it's pretty weird. <laughs> 
Because everybody else is still from Leave it to Beaver. And he's still dumber than the cartoon cat who does not speak. I will say I do like the way he's drawn in terms of like, you do get an auto from the Simpsons sort of like, this is just a laid back guy in a mm-hmm. world of uptight 50s yeah. housewives. Yeah. Um, his He's got like, um, it, it's not the same thing as the, like the Flintstones scruffle. Yeah. Where, where it's just like a five o'clock shadow. He's got like a, a, a shaggy like, little bit unkempt beard that, like, really lends to the slovenly janitor archetype. It combines with the dog jowls. It does. In a way that it shouldn't. He actually looks great as a character, (laughs) is the thing. Oddly enough, that's the least (laughs) problematic part. No, there's there's good stuff in this. They pulled off the look of black exploitation kung fu. They dog. crushed it. <laughs> but it was back in the era before black exploitation was like a tongue in cheek ha ha kind of thing and back when it was just racism. <laughs> so it was it's just racism here. But like I I like the way it looks and there's a lot of elements of this that really work for me. Yeah. Like it's it, it's kind of on that uh, bordering on cultural appropriation spectrum that the car like the um Yeah, this this Flintstone car like, with wheels. It's like it, like almost like a rickshaw on top or something. There's bit. something going on there. there. there and it, it's piloted by use of a magic gong, which can make it just like... It, it looked like it just moved into a different scene. Yeah. That, <laughs> well, I like the uh, the cloud of violence effect on that, where it was just sure. like a bunch of different like Rubik's Cube looking yeah. patterns just all kind of rotating around each other, and boom, now it's a different vehicle. Um, overall, like, we, we keep the same, like, dumb, adult guy, smarter sidekick. Um, the fact that the sidekick is a cat who can't speak is, uh, like, I'm fine with it, because yeah. Hong Kong Fui, um, like, is fun to listen to. Yeah. No, like, no, no, the voice is, the voice works for me pretty hard. So, like, this cat's doing charades and he's guessing wrong about what he's trying to communicate. That's not bad. I think what we found here is that the, the check to dumb guy who still makes it work doesn't have to be a personality in and of itself mm-hmm. it can just be a sounding board yeah it's a off which point. off which the dumb guy can reverberate his own thoughts right um yeah so there i mean there's good stuff here by virtue of the fact that it was made a decade after everything else we've looked at well i mean like in in like a broad cultural tradition everything good in 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 music follows whatever is going on mm-hmm. in black america right uh you know likewise yeah <laughs> the only thing good here that is like extant from the leave it to beaver formula of the 50s is the black character who's being black at the camera for a while <laughs> right yeah it, the sort of thing that like can be done well now because yeah. we're removed and because you can like isolate the parts that work right um and use it to, to tell a narrative here they just love the aesthetic yes and and the black exploitation aesthetic is less problematic than the uh like the asianophile uh mystic eastern mysticism um yeah tao of kong kong uh hong kong fooey kind of stuff but i came in expecting that i came in expecting an amount of it (laughs) i was expecting this i wasn't expecting his mystic words to levitate him to the ground to be like ching chong ping pong that that that's that's a step beyond acceptable we we found uh, i will i will take five black exploitation movies before (laughs) i take that once 
we uh, were looking for an episode and, and we found a supercut. We didn't realize it was a supercut. We thought <laughs> it was just a poorly edited TV show about a man who keeps saying horribly racist stereotype word yeah, chunks. As far as we could tell, this whole episode was just going to be him just gonna saying be, ping pong got, over again. I got, I got my hand stuck in a typewriter <laughs> time for some nonsense. Yep. Um, which, yeah, so like the bones of the show are not bad. It's too long. It is too long. You can make the you can make it a, a better show on the you know in the meat of it. Too much meat doesn't work with this. Oh, it's just El Cabong. Like the, yeah, Quick Draw McGraw is they, they got they got it right, and then this is expanded. Like it's a different genre. Fine, sure. It's a different personality. Fine. The the meat of it is still the same. And it's 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 fourteen minutes for yeah. is I don't I couldn't tell if it was two episodes or one, but <laughs> even seven minutes is pushing it. Um, and we we do interact with this uh, villain character, the Claw, who like some Joker Riddler leaves clues. Yep, something like that. It's a Riddler. You found a Riddler. We, we see him at one point, and he's this mincing fellow with long. He's like he's a like, Slenderman. He's like um. What's that? What's that one? Dick Dastardly, mustachioed, yeah. railroad tracks. Whoa, whoa, oh, what? Um, I I always forget this guy's name. Snidely Whiplash. That's the guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like a Snidely Whiplash type. Yeah. Well, I mean, like hunching over a computer. Which, which, hey, maybe all of the villains are like desk workers. Okay. And then like Hong Kong Fui, the noble. Janitor. Oh, I'm just a humble janitor. Just a humble janitor who's trying to make good, and like he's borrowing from the ancient traditions of China, yeah. Japan. I assume passed down knowledge from somewhere. I from, guess it doesn't matter from where. from Sharpay's. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but it, there, there, there might actually be a theming there yeah. that is that is not terrible. It, it's 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 an interesting show. Um, I feel like we've hit on everything that we can. Unless we were going to do a whole episode on it. I feel like there's meat enough there where we could try and come to a decision. I think we could. I don't... I don't want to. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty done with it. Like, um, the, the the racist bug is is just too... It's too much of a tax yeah. for me to engage with the medium anymore. It, like, it's, it's just the, the veneer is too strong. It, it is. Uh, now, avid listeners will remember that Ben plays a janitor in a D&D game. Ben, are there any uh, aspects of Hong Kong Fu you're going to take with you to your next play session? I think I already kind of behave like Hong Kong Fu, <laughs> to be honest, because my whole thing is uh, stating truisms with confidence that I don't actually have mm-hmm. as a person. Right. So I just I just state like the right way to open a door is you knock on it, you wait the customary seven seconds, say maintenance, and then you're allowed to open it. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of like there's very specific rules for the way we do things here, right? And they don't seem to make internal logic. Um, so th- they work for the situation. Yeah, he's a more laid back version of my character. Yeah, though, you, like, you see you see him like accidentally evade being captured well here's the other thing that's interesting about hong kong fubi is generally when you have like a or in my my recollection when you have like a dumb guy character he's generally not this well received mm. in in modern yeah interpre- he, like, he's hard to play the frontliner right? right the spinoffs are always really bad like um quick draw mcgraw and hong kong fubi are both expressing kind of a fundamental truth of the era which is that your main character kind of has to be beloved 
Yeah. Like, it, uh, quit Draw McGraw. He's a doofus. He's still a sheriff. If the guy with the name and the title doesn't have the charisma, you failed at the, like... You failed at Hanna Barbarian. Square one, yeah. Yeah. You're off. So the fact that Hong Kong Fui has, like, a fan club, and that, like, he kind of... Canonically, yeah. And he just Kramers his way, fails into success? Yep. Uh, that does kind of work on me. Yeah. In, like, a... I don't know, like the, it's the Scooby Doo thing again, like mm. just you know laying traps and accidentally catching the the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. There's there's something here. I can't look at it. <laughs> it's it's pretty. There's there's a tax going it is, in. It is hit. You take psychic damage watching let's, this. Let's let's finish up with something strong. Let's check out. You know, speaking of the racism, let's mm-hmm. talk about wacky races. No way to take that, but good. Well, I, I actually don't know what this... I, it's been a long time. It's been a while. I remember Scooby-Doo getting involved in Wacky Races. I don't point. doubt it. E ora, signore e signori, vi presentiamo i più famosi e spedicolati piloti che partecipano alla gara senza regole. Il Wacky Race, dove ogni espediente è consentito per conquistare il titolo mondiale del Wacky Race. Sono That's a good way to stop. I... It's a good way to go out on this. I don't think I realized what this was. <laughs> no, neither... Well... I think I had a vague notion of it from, like, Gary, but... I always assumed there had to be more. I think that we're, we're, we're spoiled to think of continuity and cohesion in properties that doesn't... That didn't actually need to... Because, like, arguably, this is less cohesive than Hong Kong Fui. This is... This is... It, you know how we, we said Hong Kong Fui too long, the main plot takes us through too many minutes... There's no segment in this plot-wise that goes longer than two minutes. The whole thing lasts longer, but the the first it's, it's fifth punchy. makes no difference to the it's, second. It's just really punchy. You it's, could you could you could um, turn on your super propeller and chop up this episode yeah. into five discrete segments, and then do the same thing for four other episodes. Mix and match them, make just as much sense. It doesn't matter. And the way we determined that it would make just as much sense is we had a bit of a snagglepuss oh <laughs> trying to uh find a english uh edition yeah we we didn't look super internets. hard but what we found instead was i believe an italian dub and i advocated that it's not gonna make a difference and you were so right you've never been more right <laughs> i know so th- that was kind of the beauty of it is like none of the dialogue so far today has been any good yeah like some of it has been fun like I like El Cabong just because like the the witticisms that go nowhere. Yeah. And but but most of that is the tonal performances of uh, the voice act of Dawes Butler himself. Yeah. But this the it allowed us to just look at context and not have a narrator involved, which is all the dialogue generally is in this is like a narrator of the wacky races telling the audience yeah. what's going on in the wacky race. A couple this of quips here and there. But... Very clear what's happening in the wacky races. Yeah. <laughs> and it's pretty great. Yeah, I overall. think honestly, you hear the name wacky races. That's what <laughs> That's what you get. So what we're watching is a race. And it's not some like eternal race. It's like today's race, we see who wins. Right. It's like um Because I assumed they were in purgatory. I that's really the only way to play it. It's 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 a cultural it's like a very culturally diverse Mario Kart. Yeah. You know, where, yeah, where like each... you you attack each other and each person has their own gimmick. Like 
um, lumberjack or well, the lumberjack uh, and the beaver together. Yeah, in a, in a, it's like a, a whole. They car. got they got a whole theme. The themed cars are the the building blocks of this. I, I want a, like a board game of this. It just feels so inventive. It's so fun. This is the, where the classic like. I press a button and an oil slick comes out. Yes. Like Speed Racer did it. And then this was like, what if there were a million different kinds what of if oil the, slick? What if the Lady Racer, Penelope Pitstop, just had a bunch of different makeup accessory buttons right. in her car? Right. And she's clearly the one that we're supposed to be uh, rooting She's competent, for. certainly. Yeah. Um, and but the, I was really, I was really pulling for those like little, uh, those those little um, bearded uh, men. Oh, the the uh, mobsters. The uh, the 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 Hagar the horrible. No, what what are those? Not the, the not, cavemen. Not the monsters. Yeah, the, <laughs> the cavemen. The, the the cavemen look like a specific type of caveman. I think those were a reference to like Captain Caveman or Is something. Is that what it was? Something like that. They they're super cute because they drive a car that's a rock and they hold clubs and that's their whole thing. Yeah, it's the it when you pick Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah. In Mario Kart. Um, and so this this uh, show came out in 1968. It's very 60s. The background is like this. So the intro to the background has this like flowing like yellow submarine shapes and colors on the letters thing. Uh, oh, it's pretty Inspector Gadget of yeah. just like nondescript background so that we can make it whatever we want to make the foreground pop. And and basically what you're seeing in any given shot is a racetrack with a background that draws you into a scene a little bit, mm-hmm. and then whatever cars are being used in this scene's gag yes so we would see um the lumberjack and beaver like there'd be a big block of marble on the road and they would ride through it and like chisel out a spot and then the cavemen guys would come in and break it and it would fly up and come down as bowling pins and then the professor's car which can transform turns into a bowling ball and hits them and if you got tripped up by wait, he, there was a chunk of marble with a hole through it, and you hit it, and it turns into bowling pins. And You're watching the wrong show. If that threw you, <laughs> you would need to watch more Hanna Barbera type stuff. Yeah, because that's just that's that's just expected. That's at all this we're point. doing here. Well, it comes out of the fine tradition of Popeye. You yeah. punch a thing hard enough, it becomes whatever's good enough for the next joke. <laughs> right. The setup and the punchline. Mm. You know, one flows into the ones next. Yeah. Um, the sort of antagonist that we're supposed to uh, root against is this Dick Dastardly. I love his him. Grimace dog. He, <laughs> this gargoyle the, the, Wario. Yeah, he, I couldn't tell what it was like an Escargoon King DDD yeah. relationship. Like, clearly, Dick Dastardly is in charge, but I got the feeling like the dog wanted him to fail. The, do- the dog is like some like devil on his shoulder that tells him to do bad things and then laugh when it hurts him. Oh, you think like the dog is actually like Penelope Pitstops? Like, oh, like Pooch? No, I think it. I think it's like a like a an absinthe fever dream. Okay, I also believe that very readily. <laughs> the sixties. Dick yeah. Dastardly has this great like helicopter like King K rule mobile almost. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, and he he's he's unreasonably competent. He's always ahead of everyone else, and then puts himself behind enacting ludicrous schemes to the tune of Little Red Riding Hood, uh, front to back. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like. Dressing up as Little Red Riding Hood, getting someone to stop by, being like, hey, deliver this picnic basket to my grandma, going ahead of the driver who just drove off somehow. Clearly you can bypass them. Yeah, apparently. (laughs) You have a flying car. Uh, Setting up in this house wherein the grandma comes in. It's like so unclear what his plan is. It's just, (laughs) it's so fun to watch him just get like really into it <laughs> he got sidetracked he he didn't keep the objective first i think that is his like i 
I couldn't shake the feeling like Dick Dastardly was there so that he could prank. Oh, like he's a course hazard? Yeah. Like he's not an actual racer? Yes. That's why he doesn't have a race number. It's just zero. That is really good, That's actually. not I like that. Um, apparently, this was originally envisaged as a game show where people would like try to guess who would win this week. Oh, that's just a random number generator. Yeah, they just scrap it because what we want to see is this collection of one uh, half minute to two minute long gags. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And I didn't realize just it's it's so elegant. It is elegant. Like, it's beautiful. You have everything you need, which is like these racers have a gimmick and they're ambitious. And for some racer, and for every racer, the gimmick comes first and the ambition comes second. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do something, you have to do it in a gimmick way. Yeah. And there's just no end to the amount of physical comedy you can do <laughs> when you have 11 or so disparate racers with their own themes and then just random course hazards envisioned by dick dastardly you can make you can make up your own show right so easily yeah Uh, they staged all of little red riding hood in this episode it plays to the strength of animation it plays to the strength of the hanna-barbera style it It uses those sound effects really well it plays to the strength of the necessity of the in of like the fun characters but without the drawback of needing to focus on them for a long time because all we really need in the character is a gimmick. Mm-hmm. That's all we needed for Hong Kong Fooey. Yeah. They just, like, he wore out his welcome after, like, you know, saying dynamite a couple of times. <laughs> a couple of times too many. A couple of times too many. <laughs> like, a couple was fine. Um, you know, and yeah, that this era just worked on lots of throughput and at a quick clip. Yeah. It's hard to imagine what wacky race races would look like, like on a boomerang, like throwback channel kind of thing. Because like, I don't know, like these these actually look like cartoons that could exist now for mm-hmm. my attention span. Yeah, like I like this show. Yeah, th- th- this has all of the appeal and variety and panache of like a death battle. Like you roll the dice and see who's going against who this week. Right, but there are a lot of shows that are don't live up to the. the wacky races hype even uh quick draw mcgraw you know i can't imagine that going for like a full 30 minutes of individual episodes like you know a sampler platter fine Uh, but i actually i read up on it boomerang a little bit is that uh with the advent of newer and newer bits of animation a lot of these hanna-barbera type stuff got um allocated to the graveyard slots yep and you can see why yep (laughs) most of them are not wacky races yeah but Wacky and, Races does prove that it's worth panning for gold in this in this uh, in this archive. And it's 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 one of the ones that um, you know came out of here that wasn't character forward, wasn't character focused, right? Everybody knows Yogi Bear, Flintstones, Jetsons, Scooby Doo, right? People should know Wacky Races, but there's no like th- like you can't point to a character. Well, you can't Dick wear, Dastardly can't wear them on your shirt. I think you could with Dick Dastardly. Yeah, you get confused between him and Snidely Whiplash. Well. Sure, but that's just because it's the same guy. Oh, yeah. He finally had an out for being a villain. A place where he would be loved and accepted. Yeah. <laughs> As a course hazard. Yeah. Um, yeah, Wacky Races. Not bad. Wacky Races is great. Yeah. Uh, definitely the best of the best of the night. Weird name. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the 60s? Not really. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah, you could have called it anything in the 60s. Yeah, wh- really wh- wacky was the adjective you used when you didn't have one. Yeah. Um... But yeah, that, that was kind of, uh, that was our sampler course for Boomerang. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's mostly Hanna Barbera, but we see some of the stuff that fell through the clack, cracks that didn't like ascend to Flintstone stardom. Yeah, yeah. Like what happened to these weird properties that never really caught traction in the broader markets by the time their time was done. Yeah, they, they all suffer from you know some uh, Achilles heel that kept them from that, but you know they. They, whenever we talk about Hanna-Barbera and that style, it's important to realize we're not just talking about the ones that are still remembered and, and parodied today, right. but also these like weirder ones that just kind of fell by. Yeah, it was, it was a whole style of presentation. Like, Hanna-Barbera should be talked about in the same terms of like film noir mm-hmm. or spaghetti western. <laughs> like, it's, it's its own genre, is Hanna-Barbera. Um, and it was consistent enough that you could have characters show up in each other's shows or, or spin off from yeah. them, um, but also formulaic enough where you don't feel like you have, like, you're not missing anything if you miss a day. Yeah, and, like, if you didn't watch any of these, you know everything about them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, there's there's nothing extant in any given episode of this that you wouldn't have gotten from a different Hanna-Barbera property. For sure. Which is why we didn't feel like doing more than, like, a handful of... <laughs> Different, Even this is pushing shows. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, um, it doesn't have, like, the storied history of the Flintstones, so all you really get is what's at the surface, and what that's at the surface is usually just very Hanna-Barbera, mm-hmm. which doesn't play well in modern markets, especially the Hanna-Barbera properties that kind of failed. Yeah. But it is worth looking back, because there's some, there's some fun to be had if there's you look for there. it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I can see... A lot of weird racist stereotypes that were okay yeah, in the 60s. Oh boy. But I'm really curious to look at those, um, you know, t- to take a look at those comics that reimagine these things, like yeah. you know, in a modern, like more Scooby Apocalypse sure. view. Yeah, I'm, I'm just very curious about that. We should do that sometime. But for now, I think that we should sign off uh, yeah. and consider this boomerang collected. Yeah, uh, yeah, throwing stick is boomeranged on us. <laughs> um, ben, what are we going to watch next time? Uh, Zane, next time we are going to be recording Ghostbusters, which, if I'm not mistaken. We'll have a Dane, Dane Caverns. Dan Caves, you got Dan it. Caves coming back on for a ghost busting. Yeah, the Halloween episodes will be a, will be a little early this year, but hey, whoever complained about Halloween early? Not I. Yeah. If I may, Bustin makes me euphoric. <laughs> I I am getting a contact high from, <laughs> from Bustin. <laughs> from all the Bustin going on in here. All the Bustin up. Ghostbusters Mobile would work perfect All the Bustin up here, ma'am. <laughs> oh, no. It just takes the voice. It's, All it takes. It's so rough. Uh, and Zane, what are we doing after that? After that, we have a bootlegged segment. Um, and uh, Josh has recommended that we watch Over the Garden Wall, which I've been curious to check out. It's technically a mini series, but altogether it is movie length, and it's basically a movie. Doesn't it have Ben Fold's Rock in the Suburbs? You'd have to ask someone more familiar with it than me. As like the theme song or the outro theme song? I'm... I may be sure of that. I only know it from a meme where there's a talking horse. Uh, that could be any Hanna Barbera property. <laughs> oh, but was that El Caban? <laughs> Maybe it was El Caban. Oh, Maybe I he's really, rebranded. Really hope we have a best horse at this year's Cartoon Awards. It might be Snagglepuss. Oh, uh, Megatroid. Yeah. Uh. Well, anyway, yeah, thanks for coming by. Thanks for stopping along for this look into the past. Uh, farther back, back than we generally go. But um, for our sampler of Boomerang cartoons, we hope you enjoyed it. 
And if you have anything else you'd like to have us enjoy, you can drop us a line at fancybat.com slash cartoncast and go to our contact page there to leave uh, the, the, the recommendation or just things you think about over the garden wall or busting making you uh, hype. Yeah. My dude. I go for a hype bust. Yeah, just get give us a hype bust there. You can also go to Apple Podcasts to give us a rating review. Review. It really helps us out, and it validates our existence. And more than anything else, uh, tell your friends about the show in Italian. <laughs> Mamma mia. Mama I got mia. an exit stage left. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my son. Heavens to Naples. I'm thinking about dabbling, and I'm thinking about buying a quick... <laughs> I think, a yogi I'm No, no, I'm thinking about getting... <laughs> Get up a good yogi and boo-boo. Or maybe a Wilma. No, they sell those too, but I'm thinking about getting... Uh, a Bam-Bam. No, you ready? Hmm. Quick draw McGraw and Bubba Boy. I'm thinking about getting yeah. oh, Good, good. Uh, just have to see, you know, how much money is coming in. <laughs> how much does a Bubba Louie go for? Those are a little bit cheaper. Uh, quick draw and a Bubba Boy are about three twenty-five. What do you call him? Bubba Bubba, Bubba Boy. No. I thought it was. I thought, is it Bubba Louie? It's Louis? Bubba Louie, isn't it? Bubba Louie.